Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. talk to you a little bit about uh, life lessons from a donkey ride. Uh, that sounds pretty funny. But how many of us know that Jesus gave some life lessons in a donkey ride? Number one thing, it was prophesied that the king of Israel would come riding on a donkey. Now, anybody ever been around a farm or had animals? I know faith has farm animals, her family does, not just her, but her mom and family, and even uh, Seth and Amanda went to a birthday party there, they got cows, really friendly cows, and met me at the car <laughs> there, that day, so uh, just beautiful animals, I was raised on the farm, we're all country people, we had goats, we had pigs, my uncle had cows and chickens and horses, we called them genies, y'all remember the genies, y'all remember know why that they had genies? The, the breed of, of a donkey called a genie. Y'all know why they had them? Because they kept coyotes away yeah. from the cows. That's the reason they... And you think of a donkey, you think of something that's not very smart, right? Most of you ladies, when you think of a donkey, you think of your husband. Y'all can laugh. Stubborn as a... Which is a breed of a donkey, right? Stubborn as a mule. But there was a reason today, and we're going to touch this... The reason that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, a lot of people don't think about this, but the ride into Jerusalem for Jesus was his death march to the cross. Right. And the significance of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, Brian, on a donkey, is that he was on his way to give his life so we could have life. Mm. And the significance of it to us as a church today is we're going to learn five things from a donkey ride. Anybody ever rode a horse before? Mm-hmm. You know, when we were in high school, my best friend had horses. And he told me one day, Brian, he said, Rex, why don't you come over to my house and we're going to ride a horse. And you know what his horse name was? Anybody take a guess? Anybody ever watched uh, Home on the Range, the cartoon? Mm-hmm. The little horse on there, his name is Bub. He's kind of this wild hiker horse. Well, Jamie said, I'm going to let you ride Bub. Jamie was my best friend. Brian, the biggest mistake I ever made was getting on Buck. Because as soon as we got out the out of the corral there and he got him saddled and made sure his saddle was tight, as soon as he got, he said, I'm gonna ride her because she's a little bit more spirited, but I'm gonna let you ride Buck. Because Buck's kind of an older horse. He likes to run a little while, but in a few minutes he's gonna slow down. You know what Buck did? Buck had extra oats that morning. Because when he got out the gate and he let him go, Buck run for a mile and a half. <laughs> and about three quarters of the mile in, the saddle had loosened up because Buck began to sweat. And the saddle loosened up. And I'm on the side, Brian, uh, uh, John, holding on for dear life. You know what I learned that day? That cowboys are tough. Jennifer still laughs about it because when I came home, we were newly, newly weds and newly married. And I know this may be too much information, but you know what I learned from the three and a half mile horse ride that day? That you gotta condition parts of your body to ride that horse. So when I got home that day, I looked like John Wayne. Not because I was big and bad, but because that horse saddle wore me out. And Buck liked to run. And Buck cooled off on the way home, right? I thought Buck came and said, Buck's gonna be cool. He's gonna chill on the way home. He's gonna just walk. We got about a half mile from Buck's house in the corral. You know what Buck knew was going to happen when he got home? He was going to get what? Fed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Buck did after he got me back up on the saddle? You know, riding under a horse is not very fun. Once we got the horse stopped and he got the saddle tight and we ride back, we get about a half mile down the dirt road. He lived down a long dirt road. You know what Buck knew? And Jamie says, oh goodness, Buck thinks I'm going to feed him. Book takes off again. You know what I'm at when we get back in the gravel driveway? Back under the book again, getting the ride of my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I learned? First horse ride with Jamie, last horse ride with Jamie. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I always pet a bug. I'm watching getting apples and oats when I go to Kane's house, but I never get on a bug again. <laughs> because I learned something that day that Bug talked to Bug likes to run. And there's a reason his name is Bug. And it don't matter, don't ever believe your best friend. And you say, what does that have to do with a donkey ride? There are significant reasons that Jesus rode a donkey. Number one, it was prophesied that the king and the Messiah would come riding on the foal of a coat of a donkey. That's what was prophesied. So today I'm going to pull five things and I'm going to move real fast today as fast as I possibly can. We're going to read John chapter 12 from John chapter 12 verses 12 through 19. John chapter 12 verses 12 through 19. The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon him as it is written. Don't be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him that had been done, these things that had been done to him. So when this was going on, Jesus' own disciples didn't understand the significance of Scripture. Now, it's important to understand that in the Jewish culture, from childhood up, and we can learn something as Christians, that these children were taught what? The Word of God. What word they had in the Jewish culture, from the time they were able to comprehend, they were taught the Word of God. So the disciples didn't even understand what was going on until Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he was glorified. They didn't even understand what was going on, but it had been prophesied in Scripture. Next verse. Now the crowd, now many, now the crowd that was there with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see this getting, see this is getting, see this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now, who did the Pharisees represent in biblical times? Can anybody tell me? The Pharisees represented religion. It's safe to say that religion is what's wrong with the world. Amen? Thank you for the two amens. People know about religion. Come on. Right. People know about having to get good enough. Right. Come on. You know, in the Church of Scientology, you have to pay a certain money to get to a place. Come on. Right. You got to get good enough. Right. Do you know the nation of Islam, you got to get good enough. Mm. You know that in the Mormon faith, you've got to be enough. Right. It's all about being good enough. In Hinduism you got to reach a place. It's all about being good enough. But Jesus said these words, come as you are. So the Christian faith is the only faith in the world that you don't have to be good enough. You come just as you are. Right. So the whole perspective in our lives of how we share Jesus with others should not be that we look down our nose of people that look different than we are, but it should be a perspective of you don't have to be good enough. You can just come to Jesus the way you are. And you say, well, Pastor, how does that affect me? How we present Jesus every day affects others around us. All right? On the Jewish calendar, there was something significant about this time. How many know that half of the Gospel of John is devoted to Passion Week? Half of the book of John is devoted to Passion Week. The seven days from the death march to Jesus riding in are six days to the point he would go go to the cross. It's five and a half to six days. It's called the death march. In the Jewish calendar, they had a month called the month of Nisan. No, I'm not talking about the call. But the month of Nisan, they also had a lunar calendar. The lunar calendar that the Jewish people used was 360 days, not 365 like we use. So on the 10th of Nisan, they would go, 
before Jesus came, became the Messiah, they would go and pick out a lamb on the 10th of Nisan and on the 14th, they would sacrifice that lamb because it was significant of them making the pouring the blood of the lamb out for what? Passover. Because they celebrated the Passover from when the angel passed over the, the children of Israel in Egypt. So they sacrificed a lamb. So on the 10th day, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. That's not just by any re reason he did that. That's significant. It was prophesied that Jesus would come, the Lamb of God. He would come riding on a coat on the 10th day, and on the 14th day, he would be sacrificed. So it's all significant of Bible prophecy. So it also proves what? That the Bible is what? True. True. The Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible will always confirm itself. So if you go back and you figure out, and people say, well, Pastor Rex, why do we usually have Easter in April? If you correlate the Jewish calendar and the calendar that we use, which is 365 days, instead of that being March the 14th, the day would be, anybody know? April the 6th. We usually celebrate Easter around the 1st of April. That's the significance of that. So I know I'm giving you a lot of history here, but there's a reason. Now, there was a lot of things going on in Jerusalem. They were full of what? In Jerusalem. It's also a celebration, Brother Keith. There was celebration of feast. There was a celebration of Pentecost. There was celebration of Passover. And they were well, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of Passover, and the feast of Tabernacles that they celebrated in those times. There were feasts. There were celebrations. The reason they celebrated this is because then in the Old Testament times, each one of those feasts significant, were significantly meant something to the people. So Jesus was in there and the people were gathered because of all these feasts that were going on. They were gathered in Jerusalem, but when they noticed, when they heard about Jesus and his miracles, something happened. They wanted to be close to Jesus because of the manifestation of miracles. And you say, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with us today? If you have the power of God working in your life and the proof that Jesus lives in your life, you have something to share with other people that's going to draw them to you. I'm going to say that again. We as Christians should have the power of God working in our life. Amen? Right. What happened last Sunday is not any individual. That's the Holy Spirit moving in individuals. Right. I've got a testimony to share. My brother called me Sunday evening when he got home. A lot of people don't know what my brother's been through, but he's been an addict for years. And he called me Sunday. He called him. was actually driving to Mississippi. And he called me on the way. And he says, I want to share something with you that I've never shared with nobody. He says, but when you guys prayed for me and you spoke to me and your church prayed for me, that thing that's been on me for years has left me. The signs and the wonders will follow them who believe. You don't have to get good enough. Jesus paid the price. All we have to do is walk in the authority. And so, Pastor Rex, is God big enough to release somebody that's been oppressed by demons of addiction? Did we see it happen? You say, well, Pastor Rex, that's kind of scary. Would you rather see somebody go on and kill themselves? Or overdose. You know what he shared with me? I have overdosed 12 times. And he would share, he wouldn't mind me sharing if he was here today. I have overdosed 12 times, but God wouldn't let me die. Can I tell you today, church, what we do and how we live has an impact on other people's lives. Because God ordained a day for him to be here where a body of believers that maybe like me feel like you're not good enough to do anything for the kingdom. But when the Holy Spirit moves in us, we obey God and God does miracles because we obey the word. Amen. And so what's the significance of Jesus coming to Jerusalem? People were tired of religion. 
They knew about not being good enough because every time they went to the temple, the Pharisees and the scribes told them how low they were. They didn't associate with people that wasn't of the class. Matter of fact, many of the lowlifes couldn't even go into the temple. They weren't even allowed to go into the temple. Right. You saw a pastor? Name some prostitutes. Couldn't go into the temple. Lepers were considered unclean, right? Tax collectors were considered the lowlifes of the day. Remember the man named Demon that had a legion, a legion, that the man with the demon, the legion of demons? He was in a cemetery, running around in a cemetery, naked, cutting himself because he had so many demons. But yet when he met Jesus getting off of a boat, those demons began to glorify God. Wow. Because they recognized who he is. So Jesus is coming riding on a donkey, not because, notice the miracles that Jesus performed up until this point. He would tell them, don't go tell people. Go home. What did he tell Legion after he cast the demons out? He said, go home and tell your family about me. But go take care of your kids and your family. Go back home. I've restored you. Now you go back home and you tell. Many he would tell, don't tell anybody. You just go back to your life. But on his march in Jerusalem, Riding old stinking donkey. Come on, I'm being real. Right. He was proclaiming himself as the scripture said that your king would come riding on the fold of a donkey. Mm -hmm. And the day and the time was marked biblically to the day that the king would come. Wow. And you saw what Pastor Rex, all these people are running up, cheering and crying, crying, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But those same people a few days later would stand at a cross and yell, crucify him. Right. And you saw the pastor Rex, what does that mean to us? It means simply this, church. Do we believe him when all hell is breaking loose on our life? Right. Do we still recognize Jesus as Savior? Right. Because there was a lot of people in that crowd that day. Do we still go to God for what he gives us or do we go to God because who he is? Do we look at it the way these people looked at it? And you say, well, Pastor, how does that affect me? Whether you believe God is left up to you. Whether we believe God, let me put it that way, is left up to me. But it doesn't change the truth of the word of God. The Bible tells us that what not one not one jot or two is going to pass away to it's fulfilled. Not one bit. So something was going on. You know why people were running up beside Jesus on that donkey and yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna? Because the real thing, Jesus was more appealing than religion. Right. They heard about all the miracles. Mm -hmm. They heard about Lazarus being raised. They heard about the girl that was laying dead and she got up and walked. And Jesus said, give her something to eat. They heard about all these stories. They wanted something beyond religion. It's a challenge to us. If you don't get anything else I say today, church, it's a challenge to us. You want to know where the miracles are going to take place in the last days before the rapture of the church in your life? Right. We're waiting on God to do it in the church, and God will continue to do that in the church because he's going to have a church and scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Right. He's going to have a church, but you know where the miracles going to take place? They're going to take place in the plant floors. They're going to take place in the mines. They're going to take place at the grocery store. They're going to take place in the schoolyard. Come on, I'm being real. Because the signs and the wonders are going to follow him. Listen, I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit don't just meet up with me on Sunday morning, but he follows me all week long. Right. And the point I'm trying to make today is who is Jesus to us? Who is he to us? Jesus was more appealing than religion. In verse 12, it says, The next day the great crowd had come to him in the festival, for the festival, and heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They had heard that. They had heard that. These people, religious people, every year they came 
for something called a ritual. They came for the feast because it was a ritual. It was religion. Every time they came, they came because it was religion. Do we get like that in church sometimes? Do we go to church because it's the right thing to do? Right. Or do we go to church because I get to? Right. Do we do we do what we do away from here because I get to, or I do it because that's what Christians do? Right. Now go with me for a moment. Let's look at the life of Jesus before we move on. Mm-hmm. Where did Jesus spend his time? The three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, Brother Keith, where did he spend his time? With the nobodies. nobodies. Mm -hmm. So what is the challenge to the church today? Spend your time with nobodies. Right. Spend your life helping people that nobody else wants to help. Right. Love on people that everybody else is throwing away. Right. The Lord promised me a long time ago in a vision Mm. I'm going to send you people that nobody else wants. Everybody else is thrown away. Mm. Restoration. I will make this a house of restoration. The city will be rebuilt on its ruins. Do I want to look different, Brother Keith? Yeah, I want to look different. Mm. Because religion is making people go to hell and stay bound, but relationship will set people free. Relationships is what sets me free. That's the reason I believe so much in small groups. That's the reason I believe in men's groups and women's groups and all these things. You know why? Because that's where relationships happen. That's where relationships happen. And Jesus was about relationships. Jesus walked 21 miles out of the way one day to meet a woman at the well that was in her sixth broken relationship. Right. He walked 21 miles out of his way to have a conversation with a lady that had five broken marriages and she was living with a man at that time that she wasn't married to. But Jesus didn't look down his nose and condemn her. Jesus told her he loved her. Right. And he told her everything she'd ever done. And she says, oh, I kind of perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah, he's the real deal. Right. You were talking to Jesus, but he didn't listen. You will never hate somebody into Christianity. I am so tired of watching people on Facebook curse the darkness when we need to be speaking to it. Right. You're not going. You're not going to hate nobody in the church. Right. But you can love them there. Right. Because I don't know about y'all, but we all how many of us can be a little bit skeptical at times. <laughs> oh, some of us need to repent right. already this morning. How many of us can be skeptical of other people? Right. How many of us know that we live in a skeptical society? Mm-hmm. Are you skeptical of politicians nowadays? Yes. Well, we all have a right to be. Right. Because they talk many ways and they never they make promises that they're never going to keep. But they get you to believe it long enough for you to vote for them. Right. You get where I'm going? Right. So people are skeptical. Were people skeptical of Jesus? Yeah, I'm going to read you some scripture. They were skeptical of Jesus. He said, Jesus, the relationship guru? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were skeptical. Boy, will you turn the air down for us and see what we got on? I see everybody saying So if you get cold, blame boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus emphasized relationship over religion. Mm. He did. What's the difference between relationship and religion? Jesus talked more about the condition of the heart than he talked about anything else. Yeah. Right. Jesus talked more about the condition of the heart more than the outward appearance. Mm. For years, Brian, if you didn't look a certain way, you couldn't even go to Pentecostal churches. Right. Because you didn't look the parts. Right. I would have never been able to preach in a pulpit with a pair of blue jeans on and a shirt that's untucked. That is just unbothered. Mm-hmm. Amen. It was more about outward appearance than it was about somebody finding Jesus. Right. And you say, well, Pastor, what's the spin on that? We can look down our nose on somebody that's tore up from the floor up and their lives are falling apart, or we can put ourselves in that position and say, that could have been me. Right. And we can help them find Jesus. And you say, well, Pastor, 
People going to look different than me? Yeah. God don't want us all looking the same. That's right. the reason he gave us all a different fingerprint. Right. That's the reason the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. Jesus said these words. He says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. He was more concerned with what's in the heart than he was on the outward appearance. Notice Jesus spent his time with tax collectors, murderers, and prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Notice Jesus' most compassionate, comforting words were to the broken. Notice his salty, savory, his salty, cutting words were to the religious. Right. He looked at the Pharisees and he said, you look good on the outside, you like tombstones. You're whitewashed, you look good, you're all shining, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. Right. Yeah. That's what put Jesus on the cross because he come to capsule religion and replace it with a relationship. Right. And you say, well, Pastor, are you mad? No, I'm just saying today, church, we need to get real with people. We need to have real conversations about real life with people that have real problems. But if we know Jesus, we have the real answer. Amen? Right. Amen. Now, what keeps us, what keeps us from witnessing to people? Somebody give me your, in your words. Fear. Fear? Somebody else help me. Rejection. Rejection? What else? Intimidation? They're going to think you're crazy. Guess what? You came up to a church this morning. Most people think you're a little bit different. Right. Get past all that. Intimidation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to share my story because I don't want people to know what I used to be. I need to cover that up. Right. I don't need to share what Jesus delivered me from because I don't want people to know the things that I've had in my past. Can I tell you, when you share your story, you give God glory. Right. Because there's somebody in your pathway that God will place, divine appointments God will place in your life to share your story, and they're walking through the same things you're walking through. Right. Remember the moment at the well after Jesus told her about all her broken relationships and she found him that day Remember when she left there, she met people on the roadway and she said, Come, let me tell you a man that told me everything I've ever done. Right. She went from being bound to being an evangelist just mm. like that. Right. Because Jesus didn't look down his nose. And I'm saying, I want the broken here. I want those that are messed up here. You know why? Because I was messed up. I may not have looked like that other person, but I was lost. And lost is lost. It don't have any degree. Come on. Right. And when we understand that people need Jesus and the way they're going to find Jesus, I don't care what nobody says, another stimulus package is not going to save you. It may help you financially for a little while, or the government can't bail you out. You know what's going to save this world? You know what's the hope for this world? is the local church sharing Jesus. Right. That's the truth. Right. Sharing Jesus. You said, well, Pastor, we're just a little bitty church sitting up on a hill. As long as we have that mentality, we always be a little bitty church sitting up on a hill. Right. Preaching to the preacher today. Mm. If you don't plan to reach, you're not. Right. If you don't plan to love, you're not. If you don't meet people where they are, you can't help them. And you say, well, Pastor, how does that affect me? Jesus will destroy religion. Religion is the greatest hurdle between lost people and the church. Agree? Religion, they think that I can't live good enough. I can't be good enough. I get up every morning, Brother Keith, and I have to ask God to forgive me. The scripture tells me that every morning, Brian, when I get up, that he makes his mercies new every day. Right. So before I even wake up, he's got forgiveness. He's got grace. He's got peace waiting on me before I even get up. Right. Because that's the kind of God he is. Mm. So we will look different. But we'll also be so much alike. Mm. Religion says you got to get good enough to come. How many of that was before you met Jesus, you thought you had to get good enough to come? Come on. I had to be good enough. Mm. But when you really met the real Jesus, you realized that you didn't have to get good enough. Right. That his grace was sufficient. Jesus says, come to your Right. Jesus says, come all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I'm going to give you rest. Right. The world says, get good enough. Mm. 
gotta have a certain amount in the bank account, you gotta have a nice house, you gotta have a six-figure job, you gotta have this. Isn't that what the world's <laughs> Right. You gotta do this and you gotta look this way. You gotta have the perfect marriage, the perfect home, the perfect family. Am I telling you what the world says? Right. You gotta have the perfect this and the perfect that. And Jesus just says, come as you are. Right. We're all broken. Scripture is more reliable. The reason Jesus came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem because he was confirming what the scripture said. Jesus stood a came in riding on a horse. Does anybody know the significance of a donkey? I'm going to give you some more. Y'all learned a lot about a donkey today. Y'all didn't think y'all was going to learn about a donkey. But you know the reason why kings rode donkeys in those days? Because it signified they were coming in peace. The reason Jesus came riding on the fall of a donkey is because he came to bring what? Peace. He said, peace I live unto you, peace I give unto you, not as this world gives, but the peace I give. Right. Even though Jesus was fixed to go to the cross and he was fixed to be, cru- be crucified by a mob, he was dying on the cross to bring us peace. Peace. Right. Remember the storm, the disciples were on the boat and the waves were about to take them under and Jesus in the bottom of the boat doing what? Taking his napping nap. And they go down there and wake him up. Jesus, why don't you see that we're dying? And Jesus just sets up and says, Peace be still. Right. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, Hey, you know, y'all just get your life wrapped, figure it out on your own. Right. I'm just Jesus. I'm not going to drown me. I'm not going to die until this is my time to die. Mm-hmm. But no, he went to the top of the boat and he spoke to the water and he said, Peace be still. Right. And the waters were still. So Jesus came to give peace. And you said, what's the significance of Jesus riding on a donkey? The donkey signified bringing peace. In Revelation chapter 19, it says that Jesus will come riding on a horse. Mm. And he will come to judge and make war. Mm -hmm. He will have fire in his eyes. That's what's Revelation. Go read it for yourself. So the meek and lowly Jesus that came in is coming one day in Revelation and he's going to put all things under his feet. And he's not going to be on a lowly donkey, but he's going to be on a pale horse, a white horse that signifies war and he comes to judge. You say, well, Pastor Rich, what is the significance of the church reaching lost people? Jesus is coming to judge. And sin separates us from God. And when an arrogant, puffed up church will not reach a generation of lost people, we think we're better than they are. So, Pastor, were you impressed? Yeah, I was impressed last Saturday and Sunday. Our church was not having church here. It was having church at Tanny Hill. Right. Amen. And you say, Pastor Rex, it's a wristband, it's a pen, and it's a frisbee. Mm-hmm. But you realize how many people that we got to pray with and speak to and encourage last Saturday because we were outside the walls of this church because of what you did and you were, we were allowed to do that. And many of you participated in that. So kudos to you. Right. It's called evangelism. Mm-hmm. And it's reaching people. You know, how many is Regina Bride came by? Mm-hmm. How many have seen people? The, the church signs up there and people go. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's what people do to churches nowadays. Especially if they find out you're Pentecostal. Well, you go to one of those churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe in the signs and the wonders that follow them. You can hang out over here with the ones that don't, but I'm going to hang out with the ones that believe it. Right. From Genesis to Revelation, I believe it. And that's not being critical. That's just the truth of the word. So they walk away. And Julie, the next time they walk through, you know what I noticed? They made their circles because they're going to buy. You know, you can't stop no woman from shopping, right? Right. Right. Doug there really quiet. Thank you, David. But people are going to buy stuff. Guys, too. Buy, buy, Brian. Guys buy stuff. I knew I would get amen there. Right. Guys buy stuff, too, right? Right. Come on, guys. That vision, Lord, you got to have it. Mm-hmm. I got 22 rod and reels, but I got to have that special. Right, right. This one can catch yeah. fish together. Right. If I get these colored worms, that ass is going to tear it up. Right. We're just as bad as the women are, right? Yes. But the next time they're walking through like this, and the next time they walk through Brother Keith, they're walking in and they're beginning to look at the sign. And they begin to pick up a frisbee or a wristband and they begin to say, a lot of people threw money on the table and said, thank you for what you do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my church about what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe our church can say, it's not just about us. Right. 
Do we want to reach people from those wristbands and those frisbees? Yes, we want to reach people through wristbands. But do I want the other church down the road to be able to reach people that we can't reach? Amen. Because it's a kingdom perspective. See, what's happening to our churches is we're so worried about what Hepsop is doing and, and Kathy Junction's doing that we've created walls between the churches and we're all on the same team. Right. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. We're all on the same team. We're just trying to share Jesus with people. Right. And I don't care where you're at today. If you know Jesus, you've got something to share with somebody else. Right. And you got to give. You say, well, Pastor, I've never taught a lesson. I've never gone to a Bible college. I don't know much about the Bible. I may not even have never read the Bible. But can I tell you, if you know Jesus, you can share your story. Amen. Hey, no critical of Jesus. <clears throat> this is what they said. This is from the Gospels. Some say you are the Son of God. Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Right. Some of the crowd said, some, some say you're the son of God. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. One of them said, you're a prophet. Remember the woman? I sense that you're a prophet. At the well. John 10 said it something like this. It said, he was a demon. He was mad and crazy. That's what the observers in John 10 said. The Pharisees said, this is not a man of God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Mm. Wow. That's what the religious people said. Mm. All opinions, all untrue because it didn't line up with the word of God. How many of us know we all have opinions? Right. Amen. Opinions. Everybody's got noses. There you go. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Right. And at some point during the day, you smell something that stinks, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just being real. Yeah. Everybody's got an opinion. But how many of us know that scripture trumps my opinion? Right. Scripture, scripture is greater than my opinion. Zechariah 9. Jesus comes riding. Zechariah 9 and 9 prophesies what will happen. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt of the donkey. Of a foal, foal of a donkey. That Zechariah, hundreds and hundreds of years before prophesying that Jesus would come. That's the reason Jesus came because he was confirming what would happen, what had been prophesied in Zechariah. Right. He came on a donkey bringing peace. So why did he tell him? He's in one city and he says, I want you to go into this next town over and I want you to go get the donkey. He's going to be sitting there and tell him that the Lord has need of him. And the guy let him have the donkey. So it's all prophetic of what would, what would happen was happening around him. How about in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, when Jesus is looking and standing over the city of Jerusalem and he's weeping over the city of Jerusalem. He says, oh, that I long to bring you unto me, but one day, not one stone, because you rejected me, not one stone is going to be left upon the other. Wow. And he was prophesying of what would happen. In 78, right. it would be Jerusalem would be totally destroyed. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew. There were five different groups there that day. As Jesus came into Jerusalem, and I know you're excited because this is my last point. And each one of them were observing mm -hmm. what was going on. No, many of them shaped Brother Stanley. Many of them came that day because. They wanted to see this guy perform another miracle. Right. I've heard him, heard about Jesus. I heard he's got power. I heard that he amazes the biblical scholars, the word scholars, the scholars. But I don't see it from my own self. There were those there that day that were tired of religion. They were both tired of going to try to find the perfect lamb. And they knew the scripture prophesied that the their Savior and their King and their Messiah was coming around on the donkey. Right. There were some of them, remember, they wanted him to be what? When are you going to take your place as? Right. Remember what was nailed to the top of his cross. Jesus, King of the Jews. Jews. Right. Prophesied from the old to the new. He will be despised and rejected by men. Isaiah prophesied that. Mm -hmm. 
So there are people today that still reject him? Yeah. Are there people today that are helping somebody here? Are there people today that are critical of the church? Your follower is ready to get persecuted. The scripture says it's going to happen. If it was easy, I'm going to say it like this. If this was easy, everybody, we wouldn't even have room to put them all here. If it was easy. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Religion is the wall. Got to get good enough. So how do they see through religion to see relationship? Through relationships. We overcomplicate this thing. Right. You know, Gina and I got to talk to a lady the other day. She came up to me. What do y'all believe? True story right here. Right. Tell me, preacher. Preacher. That's what pastors get taught all the time. Hey, preacher. Right. They think all preachers do is eat chicken and cast checks. <laughs> That's all we do. But she comes up to me and she says, what do y'all believe? Are y'all Baptist? Are you Nazarene? Right, Jerry? Right. What, what do y'all believe? I said, we are Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. She said, what does that mean? I explained it to her. She says, do y'all pay tithes to organization? I said, yeah. Do y'all support missions? I said, yes, we do. She says, well, how do you feel about evangelism? I said that everybody under the sound of my voice, every Sunday that knows Jesus as their personal Savior is called to be an evangelist. Right. It's not an elective. The Great Commission was not an elective. It was a command. So when the church gets excited about evangelism is when the church is being and operating where God wants it to be. And that's when the signs and the wonders are going to follow. So we're waiting on God to do something and God's waiting on us to do it. Preacher to the preacher. So I talked to this lady. You know what happened the longer I talked to her, Regina? His tears began to well up in her eyes. And I could feel the Holy Spirit dealing with this lady because you know what had happened to her? Religion had hurt her. All she knew about was what happened to me back down the road. And I began to say, you know what? Jesus loves you unconditionally and we're not a perfect church, but if you come, we're going to love you. And we're going to accept you like you are. Because I'm going to tell you, I can't make myself out to be something that I'm not. I was broken and I still have broken pieces of my life. But thankfully, what Jesus did on a donkey, come on, because Jesus came and rode on a lovely donkey bringing peace. I got some peace in my life today. Yes. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, did, did anybody make us call Tenny Hill and, and pay for a booth and, and buy materials to reach people? We got to pray with many people those two days. Nobody, you know what we did? We decided to be the hands and feet of Christ. Right. Amen. And when we're out here on Halloween night giving a, a Christian alternative to a, to a satanic holiday, you know what we're doing, church? You know what we're doing? We're being the hands and feet of Christ. Right. Because right. he said, if you give so much as a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. When somebody that's lost their homes and you buy them toothpaste or a meal or some crackers or some bottled water or you cut a tree out of their driveway, you are the hands and feet of Christ. Right. Amen. And you say it's, it's hard. No, it's not complicated, church. Right. But it's, we're not seeing to sit on the high parts and not do anything. Right. Every time you serve in a children's ministry, every time you give an offerings, every time you give to a boy's rendezvous, come on, I'm being right. right. You have an opportunity for changing somebody's life. Right. For eternity. Mm. It's evangelism. It's the whole reason the church exists. Jesus didn't come to abide. He came to take over. Right. Amen. Mm-hmm. How many has heard about this guy that's come out with these shoes? They're supposed to have a satanic label. Y'all read this story? Mm-hmm. How many well, heard about the the song on the, what was it? The Grammy Awards? The other day? I can't remember. But if one of the award shows of a very ungodly act going on in a song. Mm. 
that's very trashy. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you, those two women that are on that stage committing that act, Jesus loves them like he loves us. Right. Yeah. right. And as long as we just sit there, you're just going to hell and hell. I'm pretty sure most people know that. Right. But if we we'll begin to tell them the truth that Jesus loves you regardless, right. and when they slap this cheek, we turn to another. You know what he said? Right. Jesus will use us for the kingdom. Right. Go back and look. Mm. He didn't pick the class acts. He chose the sons of thunder. Mm -hmm. He chose Peter with old vulgar mouth fisher. Right. But he didn't leave Peter where he was either, did he? Mm -hmm. Remember restoring Peter by a campfire? Feeding him a breakfast of bass? I don't know what they were eating that day, but I'm pretty sure it was good because Jesus took it, right? right. But he's restoring him by a campfire. Mm -hmm. And even though Peter was broken and had gone back, you know, you know what the boat and the fishing boat and all the disciples that Peter took with him? Remember, he had some people that followed him, so he had influence. You know what Peter went back to doing what he thought he what he used to do before he met Jesus, but Jesus wasn't going to leave him there. Right. So Jesus restores him on a, by a campfire, eating breakfast because he's good breakfast for him, and Jesus is there restoring Peter because he loves him. Mm. How many people do we throw away because they fall out of grace? Come on. Right. And we throw them away and we write them off because we think, well, they're just never going to get it. Right. When Jesus called us to be married, as Paul said, to the ministry of reconciliation, we are here to reconcile people. Right. That's what Paul said. Mm. Was it easy? No. no. Is it easy? No. Mm. It's not. So Jesus came and taught five lessons on adultery. Mm. It's not about religion. It's about relationships. Mm. No matter how many times you fail, I come to bring peace. I'm going to speak to religion and tell it what it is. Mm -hmm. How many of us have ever been afraid to speak up for what you believe? Mm -hmm. yeah. right. How many of us have somebody sit there and talk about Christian people like they were a dog? Come on. Right. You let it happen. Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. You know, if I just say something, they're going to think I'm just another free loop. Right. But Jude says, defend the faith. Pretend for it. Right. Sometimes you got to stand up and say, hey, you know what? Mm. This this Jesus you're talking about is the real deal. Let me tell you about what he did for me. Right. And I guarantee you, the majority of the people are going to let you share your story. They might listen to all of it, and you may just listen to a few bits of it, but they get in their car and leave and walk away. one of those religious people. But you plant the seed. Right. We're planting seeds. So Jesus came to destroy religion and replace it with relationships. Jesus came to fulfill the, the truth of the word. The reason he came riding a donkey, a borrowed donkey at that, is because the word of God said in the Old Testament that's the way he was coming. The reason Jesus went to the cross, because the word of God said that he would be despised and rejected by man. He that knew no sin will become sin for us. Right. Because God's will was more important than his will. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember when Jesus is in the garden, David, and he's saying, God, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass me. You know why? Because he had emotions. How many ever had to do something you don't like to do? And it breaks your heart to have to do it. But Jesus' heart was broken in the garden of Gethsemane, yet he kept praying these words, Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours. The battle was won in the garden, not on the cross. That was the fulfillment of it on the cross. So Jesus came to bring, last one, Jesus came to bring peace. Peace I leave you. Peace I, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, but the peace I give. I don't know about you. I don't have it all together, David. Some days I don't get up 10 foot tall with bulletproof and ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I just don't. A lot of y'all think Pastor Rich, he just gets up every day and he jumps in his happy pants and he's ready to conquer the world. But I get up some days uncertain and not feeling like it and feeling like I can't accomplish anything for the kingdom. But when I get in the word and I begin to listen to some worship music and I remind myself who I am in Christ Jesus, I can do all things. Amen. Right. Uh, 
because of what I put in. So I'm challenging you today. You may not feel like you're going to accomplish anything for Jesus with your life, but if you're already saved, you're already gone. If you know Jesus, you're already gone. My word won't return to glory. I have to remind myself of that a lot of Sundays. No matter who's here, who's not, you preach. Keep loving people. You take criticism. You know, I learned a long time ago. I, I, I take Nick Saban's philosophy on if, if, if you don't like people being critical of you, go sell ice cream. Don't be a pastor. Right. It's going to happen. Right. That's what he said. You don't, like, don't be a leader. Go sell ice cream. People love you. Same way as a follower. You don't have to be a preacher. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to be persecuted, persecuted for his name's sake. That's what scripture says. Right. So let's go get that out there and open. But the thing about it is, he's also said he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Right. That he will use them. Mm. And that we're called to be evangelists. Right. All of us. So we're all called to be evangelists. All of us. Yeah. Every one of us. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word that is running to our feet. It's light into our path. Lord, help us to hide in our heart that we might not sin against you, Lord. Thank you for your word that that's real. It's more sharp and more powerful than any two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and you care for us. And I pray, God, today that you would help us to realize the importance. The importance, Lord. The importance of living for you every day and realizing who we are and realizing, God, that you love us unconditionally. I pray today for those that walked in here, maybe thinking, thinking that I'll never accomplish anything for the kingdom. May they realize who they are, the height and the depth and the width of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May we realize that today. Lord, we honor you. We worship you. I thank you for your people. Thank you for their faithfulness. I ask you to touch those that are sick and not able to be with us today. Lord, we thank you again for your grace that's sufficient for every day. Lord, minister to people's lives today. Those that have joined us online, God, we pray that all glory and honor will be brought to your name. And if you be lifted up, we draw all people unto you. Lord, we love you. And we honor you. And we thank you again for the strength and the power and the confirmation of your word. Mm -hmm. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all the church said, Amen. Amen.